What's up, everyone? This is Trey Van Camp, and you are listening to the Ministry Podcast. So we are like two minutes away from starting, just waiting for some of the, the late people to come. I really hope you enjoy this one. It's about the core value of never stop learning. Really talking about humility comes before honor. I think it'll be really good. Hope it, that it brings you guys value. Make sure you like and comment. Some things that you enjoy, some other things that you would add if you had this talk. All right, here we go. I want to start out with scripture, Proverbs 19, verse 20. It says this, it says, get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise for the rest of your life. I love that. And then verse 21, it says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And so much of the Christian life is this constant learning, this posture of humility, but then recognizing I make these plans, I think this is the right way, but God often brings in some sort of curveball, right? And we have to readjust and keep pressing forward. I want to reemphasize this point that we made last week. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Your culture is what defines who you are. So we believe at our church, I would love for us not to just say we're a people that never stops learning, but we have it in all of our life and you could just see somebody and you know humility it defines them, right? They, they constantly are asking questions. They're wanting to learn from other people. So that actually uh, leads to my first point. It's not on the PowerPoint, but it's leaders are learners. Rick Warren put it this way, the second you stop learning, is the second you stop leading. I want to be fast because I'm really excited about the questions you guys are going through, um, but, but today's, the talk I want to give you guys is about emotional intelligence and relational intelligence. So when we think learning, a lot of us think IQ, but a lot of people say, I, I'm talking about EQ, right? It's the emotional understanding people. So the first thing you looked at, knowing God, right? Never stop learning about God. Was that book a little confusing for any of you? It was a little bit of a harder read. Yeah, it's, it's pretty deep theologically, but what I love what he talks about is that relational intelligence and knowing God, and those are the chapters two and three that we had you guys talk about. It's so much more than just knowing about him, reciting things about him. It's, it's knowing him. Like I can brag because, not really, but I know Michael Jordan because I met him once. You know what I'm saying? Like you guys know about Michael. I have his autograph. You know what I'm saying? So it's like this different level, and I hope you guys will talk about that in your groups. Um, here's another thing when it comes up um, with never stop learning about God. I want to encourage you with this. You cannot lead where you've never been. So if you're trying to be a man of God that's leading your family and pursuing him, your family won't go, well, they might, but it's very, it's a pretty good promise that your family won't go as far as you. If you're a leader of any organization, whatever it is, if you want your people to do something, you need to be the one doing it first. But here's the number one principle about never stop learning about God that I want us to have a culture of. God is looking for men and women who are weak enough to lean on him. If you guys know the story, 2 Chronicles 26, Uzziah, right? King Uzziah, incredible king, did all these great things for God. And he was known as somebody who did all things right in the eyes of the Lord. But then he got cocky. He no longer leaned on God. He thought he was strong. He was the one of why God's uh, kingdom was doing so well. And then he actually winds up getting leprosy because him as king, he thought he can also be the priest. He got too big for his britches and God gave him leprosy for the rest of his life. Guys, I, it's kind of like what we talked about this morning, right? What I desperately want for every single one of you as your pastor is that not only do you start well, but that you finish well. 
And I think the number one way to finish well, we talked about missionally and morally, I think is that posture of never stop learning. Never stop learning about God. Never stop learning about your culture. Never stop learning about ways that you're wicked and evil and how you need to continue to repent and move forward. Here's what I want to spend most of my time on. Never stop learning about yourself. How was it for you guys when you wrote down the biggest strengths and the biggest, biggest way you help and the biggest ways you hurt? Right? I, I hope for you guys that you're actually realizing, oh, um, here, being honest with yourself and maybe reflecting, how have I actually not done those things? Here's, here's point number one under that. Great leaders are self-aware. This one's big. Humility is not denying your strengths. It's admitting your weaknesses. So in other words, humility is also very much knowing your strengths. When I was at CBU, there was a culture of humility meant you just bagged on yourself. I don't think that's biblical. I think if you are good at something, just say you're good at it, recognizing it's from the gift of God and you use it for the betterment of others. They'll be like, oh no, but no, if you're good at it, don't be so cocky or, or selfish that you don't let us enjoy those gifts. So humility is self-aware. So the question for you, and we had you come up with that this week, what are some things you're really good at? And have you been honest with people like, dude, I'm pretty good at this, right? So good leaders are self-aware of their strengths and they capitalize on those. Have you guys have ever read another book recommendation, Strengths-Based Leadership? Um, it's really good. Uh, we had to take it in college. What is your five top strengths? And his, his whole thing is instead of just aiming at making your weaknesses better, how about you just capitalize on your strengths and make a big deal about what you're good at and get better, even better at what you're good at? But admitting your weaknesses, this is where most people fail, right? You guys know some people where it's like they just will not admit that they're bad. Like the worst thing ever for a pastor is somebody who thinks they can sing and they want to sing on the worship band. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you have a great heart. Uh, <laughs> the band is full. You know, like that's as a leader, that's the hard part where you just have to be blunt and be like, I'm sorry, it's just not what we're looking for. But that's one of the hardest things, and great leaders are self-aware, and they realize there's some things I'm simply not good at. Now, what does that mean? I think as leaders, again, this is your workplace, your family, what, what have you, um, in your marriage, it's capitalizing on your strengths and surrounding yourself with people who are strengths in your weaknesses. So what I love, it's, I'm super grateful, Jordan, all of her strengths are my weaknesses. Being pretty is like number one. You know what I'm saying? But all of her strengths, I complete, and it's such a great compliment. Um, what's incredible, our, our staff, our team, Caleb and Zhang, they are not like me. Our Enneagram results are totally different, but thankfully, my weaknesses, they have those strengths, and it's really helping grow our church. It's incredible. So you as a leader, be self-aware. What are some things you're really good at and walk in that? You as a leader, what are some things you're really bad at and realize you need other people to surround you. Here's the next thing that great leaders do. Great leaders are self-correcting. A good leader knows when they messed up. A bad leader has to be told when they mess up, and a bad leader still refuses to believe that what they did was wrong. A good leader self-corrects. Wow, I didn't do that well this time. I'm gonna change. In other words, this actually goes back to humility. Don't be stuck in your ways, right? Be willing to change the course. As leaders, and we talked, again, I'm bringing back my sermon, but this morning we talked about finishing well being, by being on mission, which means sometimes we have to change our methods. This one's so huge. Churches die when they don't self-correct. Wait a minute, this isn't working. 
let's change something. Let's keep the gospel message the same, but how are we packaging it? So how are you doing that in your life? That's something to think through. Um, I love, I think King David, the reason why he was so successful is because he was self-aware and self-correcting. Psalm 139 verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. It's this posture of saying, God, I know there's wrong in me. Point it out in me so I can repent of it and I can make a big difference for your name. Isn't that so good? Those are the type of people I want at our church. How incredible would that be? We're self-aware and self-correcting. This one's really big, and to be honest with you, it's something I'm working on a lot. I wish I could spend more time on this, but there's so much value in the questions that we're doing. Great leaders are self-encouraging. I love, I think community is huge. Like every leader is not above community. Every leader needs community, amen? However, you as a leader... There are times where you just need to get enough strength to encourage yourself and not wait for somebody else to pat you on your back. I think it's really big. I was looking at um, a study about pastors who leave the ministry. Do you know, especially what they say, most pastors cannot go past year three. They have a pattern of changing churches. And a lot of it is because of you guys. No, but a lot of it really is because, and I saw the results, most pastors leave because of seven people. Seven people hurt them. In a flock of 200, seven's not bad. But most pastors think oh, they're not praising God for the other, I can't do math right now, right? 193 sheep. They're just thinking about those seven that are a thorn in their flesh and hurt my feelings and talked bad about me in front of people, right? That encouraged me so much. And I realized great leaders are resilient and they put things in perspective and say, you know what, that actually, that guy, he, he, he hurts me because he's hurting. Hurt people hurt people, right? And so you rise above that. And most times, those seven people, if they don't get their way, they're going to leave anyways. So your call as a leader is to outlive and outlast them. So how does that look in your own life? You're thinking, I'll outlast my children, right? <laughs> but what does that look like for you? Another thing for self-encouraging, learn what gives you rest. Pursue your own mental health. How are you, are, are you not taking time alone with God? And, and like, I don't know, maybe for you, what floats your boat literally is going kayaking, right? Like maybe that's what you need. Are you taking care of yourself? Great leaders take care of others, but they first take care of themselves. We cannot pour out to people if we're not first poured into. Now, here's what's so cool about this. And I have to go to the next point. But in the gospel, we have the greatest ability to be radically truthful about who we are. But we also, at the very same time, have the greatest ability to be confident in the midst of what we are. Why? Because the Christian faith is admitting, I am weak, but he is strong. So literally, as Christians, we should be the most self-aware, self-encouraging, and self-correcting people because we know at the end of the day, we're not defined by what we do. We're a work in progress and we admit that and we know that. The church is a hospital for sinners, right? Not a museum of saints. Um, this book you're gonna be reading this week, um, we're gonna hand it to you at the end, is by Tim Keller. It's called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. I'm telling you what, especially a book this small, radically changed my life. I make myself read this once a year. And that's the principle here. It's realizing I can correct myself, I can take rebuke, because it's not about me and there's freedom in knowing that. You just have to read it. It's really good. So you guys are going to really enjoy that. Um, 
I, I say this to our college students all the time. Our worth is never defined by our work. Therefore, we can be critical of our work because it's not how we're significant in the first place. Let's do the last one. Never stop learning about others. So we just talked about emotional intelligence, right? Being self-aware, understanding that you're not defined by all these things. Now, let's talk about relational intelligence. This one's big. Here's what we expect every leader to do. We expect every leader to create conversations and environments where others can be fully known and truly loved. That's the win right there. Seriously, guys, think about it. If we are all good at that, the harvest is plentiful, brother. We are going to be leading a lot of people to Jesus because that is the essence of the gospel. And let me just say, especially with Gen Z and millennials, this is not natural. Just conversations. If we just stopped right, I just broke it all. If we just stopped right there, that we expect people to create conversations. That's hard. That's actually difficult. Have you talked to Gen Z's? It's hard to keep a conversation going. I'm gonna give you tips on how to do that. Why do we say fully known, truly loved? Because that's the essence of the gospel. Most people's relationships either is either or. Some people have relationships where they choose to be loved. Therefore, to be loved means they're not truly known. They hide facts, they don't admit who they really are, and they put on a facade because they wanna be cared for. But here's the problem with that. They feel, they know deep down, nobody actually loves them because nobody loves the real them. In the gospel, we get that. But some people choose just to be known. And this is harsh. When people just say who they really are and give all their feelings, if, if people aren't equipped with the gospel love, those types of people are just truthful, they're harsh, that it's just pure facts, but it's never to build somebody up, it's to tear people down. Some of you have those type of relationships. In the gospel, we are showing people how you can be fully known and yet truly loved at the very same time. Now, I'm gonna talk about, give you three tips on how to create conversations, but before that, environments. We think environment's huge. We spent time putting these light bulbs up. You guys are probably sick of the light bulbs, right? I think environments are huge. What are we trying to communicate here? We're trying to communicate this is a warm setting. There, we could have fit in a classroom, but we don't want this to be a classroom vibe, right? We're creating these environments intentionally as leaders in your home. How are you creating environments where your family can feel like they can open up at the dinner table? Our, seriously, the lighting makes a big difference, right? The, the sound, the music as you come in, those types of things as a leader you recognize, guys, just go to Disneyland. I love Disneyland just by the smell and the sound. You know what I'm saying? And Mickey, but you know, whatever. So those types of things are huge. And so we want to help equip you with that. What are ways you can create environments in your workplace? If you want there to be a loving community, you don't get in an all-white painted room with really, really bright lights and no food or snacks. That's not a, going to create an environment where people are excited to open up. Three ways to bring power to your conversations and then I'll be done. Number one, great leaders give their full attention in the moment. Give them their attention, meaning you're attentive. You are not, your eyes are locked on them. It's not looking around, looking, I'm really, I have to tell you, I finally, um, for Sunday morning experience, I'm always having to be in charge of so many things. I realize I need to put other people in charge of things so that when I meet somebody or when I'm hanging out with somebody, I'm not like, is that, you know, I can just actually be in the moment. I'm working on that. Um, but great leaders are able to do that. Show them that they're worthy. Most people go throughout their life where they are just, they're not treated as they really are uh, in God's image. Care for them. 
Love them, even if they're not your personality type. And another thing, it's 90% body language. What are you doing with your hands, right? Are you turning people off? That's saying don't come any closer, right? However, are you like right next to them? Don't be that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be able to smell your breath. Um, but how are you? are you? Are you engaging with them when you're talking? Are you using your hands? Or are you, how are your eyes? Are your eyebrows up? Or are they like this? Do you look like a stoner? Like, how you doing, man? Yeah, sounds good. That, I'm not excited to talk to you anymore, right? But these, get wrinkles on your forehead. That's a sign of a good leader. You're like, how you doing? You know, so, all right, creepy, right? All right. Number two, great leaders know the power of a good question. Here's my challenge to you. I totally took this from my brother-in-law. We we're hanging out this week. It'll be on my podcast later. He said his dad always taught him growing up, have five questions in your back pocket that you, ask, you can ask anybody. These are in-depth questions. Um, here's my favorite one. Where are you from? Because if, if they're from somewhere else, oh, cool. Tell me about that. I learned this morning, uh, Shelby's brother-in-law, is that? He's from Haiti. How cool is that? So we're able to talk, and he's never been to Haiti. So we were, I have a lot of fun conversation. I said, I want to beat you to it. I'm going to go to your homeland before you get there. You know, it's fun. But, but ask people where they're from. You, you learn so much about them by learning where they're from. What's really cool, if you find out they're from the same place as you, there's an immediate connection that maybe you would have never known about. Come up with other questions. What do you do? What's, what do you do for fun? What, what is your favorite, like, like let's say you're visiting, you know, what's your favorite place to eat here in this city? Have questions in your back pocket, and he talked about, he has five questions, and those five questions have five other questions with it. Because he says, you need to be able to, as a great leader, you can have a conversation with anybody for 30 minutes. Now, some people, you need to be wise, self-aware, they need to go, don't be like, I have to talk to you for 30 minutes, some, just let them go, you know what I'm saying? But you need to be willing, and what it is, it's not by you talking, it's by you asking. Was not Jesus the best at teaching through asking? So, as a leader, how are you asking questions? Here's some quick points to that. Number one, be specific in your question. Come up with specific ways, like, what is your favorite this, right? Where are you from? Another tip, be specific, but also be sincere. Don't just ask the question and then move on to the next one. Be excited about their answer. That's incredible, man. Tell me more about that. I've always wanted to go there. You know what I'm saying? Be sincere. The other thing is stay on subject. In other words, make it to where you don't break their neck because you, from whiplash, because you went from where are you from, you know, to what kind of car do you drive? I don't know. I'm trying to think of something. But just start with where they're from. Again, I'm saying where they're from. Whatever question you start with. But don't just act like, because they'll notice, wait, there's some weird questionnaire you're going through right now because you totally changed the subject fast. You know what I'm saying? So just in conversation, come up with other questions. The next one, great leaders make a really big deal about other people. Nancy Duarte, she talked about the power of a, of a speech. She has a really good book called Resonate, if you want to look into that. Nancy Duarte said, all of us want to be Luke Skywalker, but the true communicators, the true leaders are Yoda. Okay. You know what I'm saying? No, but what Yoda does, Yoda I am. Um, what Yoda does, he makes Luke the hero. You as a leader, your job isn't to be everybody's hero. Your job is to make other people the hero of their story. That's what true leaders do. Make a huge deal about them and empower them. People love when they're empowered way more than when they're impressed. Proverbs says this, 12:25. Anxiety weighs the heart down but an encouraging word cheers it up. 
You know how many people we have hearts that are weighed down in today's world? And we as gospel Jesus people can emulate the gospel by just saying, you know what? You're incredible. This is what I love about you. Now, you guys actually filled out your affirmation surveys. I hope you guys brought them. I want you to leave them at your table because I want to look at them. Um, But these affirmation surveys, a tip for making a big deal about others is affirm people the way they want to be affirmed. So especially those close to you, learn how do they want to be affirmed. For me, guys, I love public praise. Write that down. Yeah, thank you. I love it. And some people, like my wife, not the greatest fan of it. As long She likes it as long as I don't have to bring her up. And like, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, she's cool with behind the scenes, although I think God's really been grooming her and she'll be up more and more. But anyways, I'm really digging a hole here. I don't know my wife. With that, be specific in your affirmations. Don't just say, great job today. I loved it. Vicki Coach, she goes to our church after my sermon, because I always told people, don't tell me I did a great sermon, because like, whatever. But what I love is what she said. She said, I've heard that passage my whole life. And I'm thankful the way that you showed how it's in context to the whole passage about it actually being more about the mission. I'm like, thank you for that. You were specific. You were sincere. She didn't bash anybody else about these other pre-pastors. She just said, I'm thankful the way you did it. Here, write this down. Never confuse comparisons as compliments. We're going to look at that next week for Never Compare. But never use comparisons as compliments. Meaning, just a few weeks ago, I preached here at Heart Cry Church. And a lady came up to me and says, wow, great job. You have so much more energy than your dad. That's not a compliment to my dad. And that's not a compliment to me because I love my dad. You know what I'm saying? So I told her, there's a lot of things he does have that I don't have. Self-aware. Right? And so I was saying, like, that, I don't appreciate that. The worst, like, oh, this church, my last church, don't, don't compliment, don't tell people, man, my last employee, you don't have to tear people down in order to bring other people up. That's not a gospel way of living. Just care about them, be specific about them, and you'll be shocked. It's hard to think of compliments without comparing because it's literally, it's infested in our culture. The only way we compliment people is by comparing them to somebody else to show how they're so much better and value and worth. But notice your language and realize I need to bring value to people by not bringing other people's value down. That's huge. People will recognize that. People will acknowledge that. So be specific, be sincere, um, and don't compare in your compliments. And that's all I have. What I love about this, especially learning about other people, is in giving compliments and caring about others. Guys, the gospel means, we talked about this morning, in Christ we have everything we need. Therefore, we can give, 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 and never look to take or abuse or manipulate because we have everything in Him. And we can just genuinely, out of heart, out of a heart of of being genuine, learning about other people, and serving them and caring for them and leading them towards Jesus. Done for the night. I really hope you enjoyed it. Our discussion after that talk was so good. I love it. God is building his church here and uh, I'm just so thankful to be a part of it. Thank you guys for taking the time to listen.